Hello, Saving Ocean Wildlife podcast listeners. I'm your host, Pete Myers. Here at Saving Ocean Wildlife, our mission is to create partnerships to protect wildlife. My guest today is one of the great partners of Saving Ocean Wildlife, Sean Hastings. Sean is the Policy and Management Information Officer at Channel Islands National Marine Sanctuary. Today, we will preview the Saving Ocean Wildlife webinar and provide deeper insight to what he and his team are doing. So welcome to the show, Sean. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. We, uh, we really appreciate it. So just to start, can you give us a little bit more backstory about what you do uh, with Channel Islands and with NOAA? I've been with the Channel Island National Marine Sanctuary for a little over 20 years now, and it is truly a labor of love. I work here in Santa Barbara, California, and with a team of dedicated government officials, educators, researchers, and environmental groups, we try and protect the waters around the Channel Islands National Marine Sanctuary, which is about 20 miles offshore Santa Barbara, California. And as my title suggests, I work on policy issues, as we're gonna talk about a little bit later today, uh, related to protecting endangered whales, managing healthy fisheries, keeping the water clean around the islands, and basically trying to keep those islands as pristine as they are, uh, with the rich natural resources uh, so that the public can enjoy them. Oh, that all sounds pretty fantastic. It sounds like you got a lot on your plate there, but it seems like you guys are handling it pretty well. Uh, so, you know, jumping into the next question here. So I'm sure all you Saving Ocean Wildlife uh, followers out there are following us on social media, and you can see that uh, this month we're highlighting fin whales. So I'm sure fin whales are a uh, comment around you. Uh, with Channel Islands. So uh, can you talk to us a little bit about what makes fin, fin whales unique, uh, where they're located, and any information you really have about them? Fin whales are the second largest of the whale species, second largest animal to ever lived on the planet next wow. to blue whales. Okay. Pretty amazing. Um, and when you see a fin whale in the wild, you really get a sense for the, the awe and the magnitude of this animal. Uh, they can reach anywhere between 20 and 30 meters long. Um, they are found worldwide and they're, they're broken down for management purposes into distinct stocks or subpopulations that NOAA, the agency I work for, we try and manage uh, these whales to keep them off the endangered species list and help their populations recover. So where I am right now uh, in Southern California, we do have a year round population of fin whales a little farther offshore than some of the other whales we have uh, here. The humpbacks and blue whales come in a little bit closer to the mainland. Gray whales migrate north and south down to Mexico and back up to Alaska. And the fin whales, they like the deeper waters. And during the summer months, they do come into what we call the Santa Barbara Channel. And they're here to feed on the, the rich, abundant uh, krill, which is a shrimp-like critter that the okay. fin whales can eat upwards of two tons a day. That's over 4,000 pounds of krill a day. And they're also pretty good at catching small fish like anchovies, sardines, and herring. But they really like that krill. That's what brings them into the channel and keeps them in the Southern California bite year round. Um, do you want to emphasize that they, they are endangered? Uh, they are protected by the Endangered Species Act, the Marine Mammal Protection Act, and when they're in National Marine Sanctuaries, they're afforded a third level of federal protection under the National Marine Sanctuaries Act, uh, which is the legislation that guides the sanctuary program that I work for. And so 
um, you know, our job is to protect these fin whales, and in particular, the, the population that we find off California, Oregon, and Washington. And if you ever visit Hawaii, you can find fin whales there, um, as well as farther off uh, in the Northeast Pacific. Wow. And what did you say for their diet for how much, how many pounds of krill they eat a day? That's incredible. They can eat, it really is. And I, maybe that explains why they can, you know, reach lengths of 80 feet long. Uh, but they can eat upwards of two tons uh, of krill a day. So over 4,000 pounds. And uh, I guess that's what it takes to feed an animal that's uh, that large. Yeah, that's, that's just incredible. You know, then that massive amount of food and sustaining that amount of food is, is probably an area of importance as well, right? Exactly. So, you know, when we protect a species that's that big and migrates thousands of miles a year, really what we're doing, as you just said, we're protecting the habitat. We're trying to protect uh, the Santa Barbara Channel waters, the waters within the Channel Island National Marine Sanctuary, keep them clean and pristine, welcome these animals back every summer as they come to feed, uh, it supports a vibrant whale watch industry and the public can go out and enjoy these uh, fin whales, blue and humpback whales during the summer. And so it all revolves around that healthy ocean and uh, the productivity then that boosts these uh, populations of krill and brings these whales back every year. Wow. Okay. That's great. And so, uh, so what are the, some of the dangers fin whales are facing? Um, and so their population, has it been uh, decreasing in recent years and, uh, just give, give us your take on that. I know it's probably different for areas of the world because they're a worldwide species, but off the coast of West Coast in California, what, what are your takes on it? The pre-whaling population of fin whales was estimated to be around 42 to 45,000 animals. And you know what might surprise a lot of the listeners, it certainly uh, surprises me, is that there was whaling uh, off North America into the 1970s. Really? Uh, and it was quite, um, uh, it was a pretty big industry in the early 1900s. And um, with the advent of mechanical uh, um, engines and uh, explosive harpoons, whaling really decimated not uh, the worldwide population of, of whales, fin whales, blues, humpbacks, sperm whales, etc. Mm -hmm. And so from a, um, what we estimate to be, again, 42 to 45,000 animals before whaling, um, reduce those numbers uh, just in our region down to about uh, eight or 9,000 animals. And wow. so um, the, the worldwide population of fin whales was uh, likely in the hundreds of thousands. And that 45,000 number I keep mentioning was the North Pacific estimated population. Gotcha. Hunted down, hunted down to 9,000 animals. And thankfully, once, uh, once we stopped, stopped hunting them, um, the populations have been rebounding. We believe the fin whale populations are growing at about 7.5% a year of that okay. 9,000 animals. They are long-lived species. They can live as long as human beings. Um, they don't start having babies well into their, uh, their teens and 20s. And so when you um, knock a population back that's, that lives that long, it takes a while for those numbers to, to increase. Sure. Thankfully, yeah, sure. We, we do see a positive um, increase in the population of fin whales, but still relatively low numbers of animals, uh, you know, again, around 9,000 estimated. The biggest threats to fin whales today, ship strikes and entanglements in fishing gear. 
And a ship strike is when uh, a whale is hit by uh, a big ship. It can also be small boats as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, big, the, the big ships do the most damage um, uh, to, to fin whales. And when the fin whales are in proximity to where there is active fishing, on occasion, they unfortunately, they do get wrapped up in uh, fishing gear, fishing line. Um, and so those two uh, threats are the, lar- uh, the biggest threats these animals are facing all under the umbrella of the climate change. Climate change is changing our world's oceans as it does so. Um, these populations, these animals need, uh, are, are forced to adapt to them. So um, that's what uh, fin whales face. And what I'm working on now is trying to reduce those threats. Well, that's fantastic work to do. And it seems like, I mean, it seems like it's working, right? It seems like the, their efforts are in, the population's increasing. It might not be at incredibly fast rates, but so these, this species, um, fin whales, so when they reproduce, do they only have one calf at a time that, okay, so it'll be, it'll be one at a time for growth. That's correct. Um, and their gestation period is nearly a year long. Okay. Uh, the young ones, the young ones spend a number of years, uh, uh, with their mothers. Um, and, um, when they're born, they can be, uh, anywhere from 15 to 20 feet long when they're born. Really? Wow. Okay. So they're massive animals just from the start. So you mentioned. Yes. And, well, if, if I might add, what's, you know, what's um, certainly took me a while to appreciate is how, how does an 80 foot animal get knocked out of the ocean? Uh, and, you know, these ships that um, are coming through the Santa Barbara channel, they are upwards of 800 to a thousand feet long. Wow. And I put an emphasis on that because these are the world's largest moving man-made machines on the planet. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, where they uh, come through the channel, it overlaps where these fin whales uh, come in to feed. Now, maritime commerce uh, is the lifeblood of the global economy, uh, especially the United States, where we import um, most everything. Nine yeah. out of 10 things uh, that you see in the United States, if you just look around where you are right now and the clothes you're wearing and the cars you're driving, mm. nine out of 10, 90% of everything we have in the United States uh, was moved by a ship at some point. And so shipping is vital to our economy. Yes. And the ships, um, they're coming through the Santa Barbara Channel as they approach the ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach and Port Wainini. Um, and they offload and sometimes they head back up north to San Francisco or Seattle before they trek across the Pacific back to Asia. And there are shipping lanes uh, that guide these, these behemoths. And we're, uh, we need these ships in these shipping lanes to keep them se- uh, separate, separated from each other. We certainly don't want ships colliding or hitting islands. Yeah, and unfortunately, um, at certain times of the year, the krill, as we talked about earlier, that the whales feed on is found in and near the shipping lanes. And so the whales are here feeding their head down all day long, diving, diving deep. They can go down upwards of six, 800, 900 feet down, wow. um, which maybe for an 80 foot animal isn't that deep, certainly is to us. Mm-hmm. And um, when they're in this feeding behavior, it appears they're just not very aware of the ships overhead. And to be fair to the, the ship captains and crews, if you're driving a thousand foot ship yeah. and the bridge of that ship, the control center where you steer the ship is 800 feet back from the bow, 
they do not see these animals. They are yeah. certainly not intentionally running over the whales, but where there is krill and fin whales and ships, um, the, the fin whales often lose uh, when, they, um, when they meet. Yeah, well, it's, it's terrible to see it happen. It really is. And um, so you mentioned uh, the uh, challenges they face. So what are some of the ways the listeners of this podcast can help protect fin whales? My job in the last 10 years has been trying to slow these ships down when the whales are present. We call this the vessel speed reduction program. Okay. Slowing ships down um, is one way to reduce the risk and threat and impact of a ship strike. Okay. It does give the whales more time to get out of the way if they do notice the ships, mm -hmm. but it also lessens the impact if they are hit by a ship going more slowly than a faster ship. Okay. Um, the clearly the best way to, to reduce the risk of ship strikes is to try and separate the ships and whales. We can't move the whales. So where we um, have been able to, we've adjusted the shipping lanes away from the whale hotspots, as we call mm. them, where the whales are feeding. Moving shipping lanes is as difficult as moving a freeway. You just don't sure. do it all the time. Um, and we also are protecting um, whale habitat by having no-go zones where we don't want ships coming into these areas to protect the sanctuary in general, but also to protect whales, um, again, during the summer months when they're here. The Vessel Speed Reduction Program runs from May through November, and we ask these big ships to slow down to 10 knots. Okay. Uh, their average speed is around 14 to 15 knots. Um, we're asking them to slow down to 10, which still gives the ship the maneuverability it needs to steer such a, uh, a yeah. big machine. Um, but at the same time, lessens the impact um, on, uh, on the whales. So what can the listeners do? Well, um, hopefully after being educated by the upcoming podcast, um, they'll get interested and excited about these vessel speed reduction programs and support yeah. them. Um, and also go whale watching. Okay. It's not only a great way to see these animals, which we can talk about all day long, but the best way to learn about them is to go see them, enjoy them. There's wonderful whale watching on um, off all coastlines of America, especially in Santa Barbara Channel. If you come here in the summer months, you have the opportunity to see fin, blue, humpback whales. And while you're out there, we encourage the public to use an app called Whale Alert. Whale On Alert. Whale Alert, you, you uh, the whale watcher, can report your sightings. You can share what you're seeing and I get those reports every day. It helps me understand where the whales are, uh, when they're there, how many are there, and that influences the shipping policy programs that we've been talking about. Mm -hmm. And so we encourage people to get out there, go whale watching, use whale alert, share your sightings, and you are uh, contributing as a citizen scientist to the protection of these species. And that whale, whale alert is easily downloaded um, and can be used anywhere uh, off North America at any time. You don't need to be in cell range. Um, when you're out there, two clicks away when you see an animal and it records the GPS location of the animal, the time and the species. And, and you can feel confident that that is getting to ocean managers like myself. Well, that's just fantastic. I had no idea about that app. I, it's my first download. So whale alert, all you listeners, whale alert, make sure you download it. All right, moving on to segment two, moving on to the webinar on uh, July 27th. 
Um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'm sure you are as well. So what should the listeners be expecting from the webinar? Can you give us a little sneak peek about what you're going to be covering? It's a big topic about a big critter uh, and a, a big part of our economy, as I mentioned. Yeah. Global maritime. So global maritime shipping, it, it's essential to commerce, but it's not without impacts to the environment. So ship strikes, as we've talked about, air pollution, climate impacts, and elevating ocean noise all come with these big ships. They take a lot of fuel to move them through the ocean. And in doing so, they put out a lot of noise. Uh, they emit quite a bit of air pollution and greenhouse gases. And unfortunately, they do run into whales. So slowing ships down, which we will talk about, mitigates these impacts without major impacts to commerce. Slowing a ship down actually helps the, the ship and the company conserve fuel they burn less fuel, which emits less pollution, less greenhouse gases. It is when the ship slows down, there's less cavitation from the prop, which is all the air bubbles the prop creates. When those pop, that's what makes the ocean so noisy. Gotcha. And unfortunately, the, the uh, cavitation of these big ships, the noise created, it's not just sound. It is actual noise. And it is louder than a jet engine, louder than a rock concert. And it happens to be at the same frequency that fin, blue, and humpback whales communicate on. Oh, and wow. so we're talking around 180 decibels. Okay. The, the reason whales can communicate so effectively is because um, they, they use this very, very loud, deep uh, uh, communication layer uh, mm -hmm. at 180 decibels. And the ship, the ship noise is right at that same level, which means it is interrupting the communication between the animals. Okay. Slowing these ships down is, is great to reduce ship, ship strike impacts and all the other impacts I just mentioned. Oh, yeah, well, that sounds great. And those are all things we're all be looking forward to for the upcoming webinar. So moving on to ship strikes a little bit, I know we've touched on it a good amount, but just so you can put a, a, a number, because I know some people think like that. Do you know how many ship strikes there's been this year, like in, in your region, in the, um, off the coast of Santa Barbara? And I'm sure they're happening commonly across the world, right? I'll provide a historic perspective and then drill down to what's happening off of California. So um, there's been 100 recorded fatal ship strikes on eight different whale species over the last 25 years. Wow. And of those 100 recorded fatal ship strikes, 23 have been fin whales. So okay. for whatever reason, fin whales, unfortunately, seem to get hit more than the other species. Okay. And while that might not seem like a, um, a big number, 100 over 25 years, the thing to appreciate, as we mentioned earlier, is that these are not very big populations. No, and yeah, so, it's a big number for the small population and how long they live as well. Exactly. And so... Um, for example, in 2018, there were three fin whales reported ship struck off California. And this was the most we, we had in any one year. Already in 2021, unfortunately, we're aware of two ship strikes on fin whales. And this is a problem because I keep emphasizing the, the word recorded ship strikes. Yeah. These are the ones that we see that are found that are reported. We know that this is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm sure. These yeah. animals, when they're hit, uh, well offshore, they often drift away without anyone ever knowing that they were hit. 
the, the ship captains may not know that they even hit an, a whale, certainly if it happens at night. Mm-hmm. And the thing that makes fin whales and blue whales so um, effective and amazing at where they feed in deep uh, ocean waters also means they're negatively buoyant. So when they are hit, it's very likely that they sink uh, okay. out of sight, out of mind. So when I say, you know, we had, we've had two whales recorded this year, very likely, and there's very good science um, and modeling that suggests that anywhere of upwards of 10 times that number of animals may be getting hit uh, and struck by ships every really? year. 10 times. Wow. Okay. So it's a, it's a significant issue. Even those numbers we know about, I mean, multiply it by 10 theoretically, right? Exactly. Well, that's, exactly. that's incredible. Uh, so, so yeah, in particular with fin whales, estimated ship strikes per year on fin whales is upwards of 40 animals per year just off the California coast. Wow, 40. Okay. So that's a, and that's a substantial amount when you're looking at a population right now. It's what, 9,000 you said, right? So that's, exactly. that's a substantial amount. I mean, especially when they reproduce one calf and exactly. they live for such length, length amount of time. Well, Sean, you have any closing statements? Really looking, forward to, really looking forward to the upcoming webinar. I, I appreciate the opportunity uh, to share a little bit on the podcast. Um, hope you all can join and listen in. I think you'll, you'll be pretty excited that we're not going to just talk about the problem, but we're going to talk about solutions. We're talking about how we're slowing ships down and what, what each of us can do um, as members of the American public, as consumers, to encourage the shipping industry to slow down, acknowledge when they do, celebrate these great animals and get out there and enjoy them and, and uh, report your sightings. And so that's all going to come out in the webinar. And I, I really look forward to it. Well, great. Thanks so much for coming on, Sean. I, I had a blast. Uh, and listeners, uh, I hope you really enjoyed Sean and he was great. And yes, like you said, please come to the webinar. Uh, all the web, all the information for that can be found on the website. And I'm sure you'll hear a lot more from Sean at, during the webinar. And if you haven't already, please follow Saving Ocean Wildlife on all of our social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Give us a follow. You'll see all the information and stay up to date. And uh, thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in and stay posted. Talk to you later.